0: Everyone. Welcome to our Strong Mind, Strong Body podcast. I'm your host, Angie Miller, and today I have a very special guest. Her name is Sue Hitzman. She is a neurofascial manual therapist, and she also is the creator of the MELT method. And what we're going to talk about today is female pelvic health. Female pelvic health is a subject of research, but it's seldom really discussed or understood by trainers. And yet it's such a powerful topic because when females experience pelvic pain, it can impact their training goals. It can cause emotional and physical distress. So Sue's going to come on, give us an overview of female pelvic pain, some of the probable causes, and what we as trainers can do to help our clients. So let's bring Sue in and have her introduce herself. How are you, Angie? I'm doing well. So Sue, tell us a little bit about yourself. You have been in this space for so long, and um, I've seen you around. We're both going to be, uh, you know, idea world this summer, and it it feels yeah. like we we cross paths, but we don't we don't know one another. And mm-hmm. I've always admired your work, so yeah. give us a little bit deeper dive into what you do.
1: Well, I, I've been in the fitness industry since I was 16, so more of my life than not at this point. But uh, in my early 20s, I got into neuromuscular therapy and understanding things beyond what the fitness industry talked about with just the musculoskeletal system, but understanding things beyond uh, those aspects of our body to improve stability. And in my late 20s, I got myself into a boatload of chronic pain, which veered me even further down the rabbit hole to understanding what fascia is and how it relates to pain, can mitigate it, can also Uh, cause it and, um, you know, just how it relates to movement, function, stability, and overall well-being. And so today I am a neurofascial science and research educator with a method that I've shared with hundreds of thousands of people worldwide to try to educate people more on what causes pain to become chronic and how to eliminate it through self-care.
0: Well, and I think it's a fantastic topic because, again, you know, I see clients in mental health who are under a tremendous amount of distress because of pelvic pain and not being able to get answers and feeling like they're going down a rabbit hole with providers, trying to find reasons. And often it comes down to women feeling like, you know, they're being made to feel like they're crazy, like it's in your head or are you stressed or, um, you know, what's going on emotionally and, and it all ties in. But at the end of the day, when a female is experiencing pelvic pain, it's really uncomfortable and impacts every everything in their lives, from their training protocols to, um, to intimacy, to everything. And so, um, let's start with this, Sue, let's kind of unfold this a little bit layer by layer. Um, let's just say a female client comes to me and she presents with pelvic pain and she hasn't been able to get any answers. Um, what do you think, what, what should a trainer start? Give us some questions a trainer might ask.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's a really great question. You know, first, I think the most important thing is to create rapport with your clients, give them the ability to, for them to connect with you and to understand that you care and you want to get more information because there is a significant difference between back pain and pelvic pain. Although they are often, you know, kind of synonymous in research and in self-care, pelvic pain is more often a female issue than a male issue. Uh, we are not just smaller men. We have all sorts of differences in our bodies from the shape of our pelvis, perhaps, but most importantly, the ligament laxity that happens because of menstrual cycles uh, and, and just, you know, being, being a female and having female genitalia. So I think the first thing that I would do is gain as much information about this client. Have they had pregnancies? Um, have, do, have they been diagnosed with anything specific or have they had a hysterectomy or prolapse or do they have incontinence? Do they have uh, digestive issues? And then most importantly is remembering that the pelvis is not a floor. I know we like to call it a pelvic floor, but it's a pelvic diaphragm and it is inherently linked to your respiratory diaphragm. And that synergy and that oscillation that ideally moves oftentimes is very faulty. So then it just becomes understanding how your client is breathing, watching them walk, uh, doing muscle testing. There's so many things we can do to aid a female in restoring pelvic health. Well, I thought that was an
0: excellent answer. That was super comprehensive. And The first thing that I heard you say was you have to build rapport. And I think that as trainers, we talk about that, but we forget the significance of that, especially when it comes to something very personal, like pain. Pain gets into our personal psychology. I did a segment on pain a few weeks back and pain gets into our personal psychology. It gets into a lot of different areas. And so the rapport building is huge. And then connecting with our clients, um, building that connection, that space that says this is safe and I care. You know, I may not be able to, quote, fix everything in this space, but I hear you, Mm -hmm. I empathize with you, Mm -hmm. and I believe in you right? I believe in your pain and I'm going to do what I can to see if I can get you more comfortable, even if that means referring out and you and I will talk about that. Mm -hmm. And I know we're also going to talk about some different assessments that trainers can do, but I heard some of the questions were, you know, have you had any pregnancies, a hysterectomy, incontinence issues, digestive issues, because you want to know more about a female's history and what might then the partial causality of this pain, for instance, I would assume, is, is your goal here.
1: Yes, because, you know, if it's something where they've had a hysterectomy or they had a cesarean uh, or they've had multiple pregnancies, we know that the connective tissue in the pelvis has been adapted. And those adaptations, depending upon the severity of it, are somewhat impermanent. Uh, And what I think a lot of uh, personal trainers probably need a little bit more education on is the concepts of that keystone, the pelvic keystone is our sacrum, and how the pelvic basin uh, closely fits together in this very oddly shaped uh, structure, and the concepts of form and force closure, and how we can help with force closure being stability techniques, uh, really evaluating their ability to stand on one leg, watching them move, watching them do forward bending, and, and truly understanding if there is not only musculoskeletal imbalance, but really ligament laxity and fascial dysfunction, which really takes a lot more than just exercise, but certainly uh, key integral strengthening is so, so, so very important. Those deep intrinsic muscles that stabilize the pelvis are oftentimes faulty. And not just because we're women, because we sit all Mm -hmm. of the time and we're sitting more and more and more. And if you have any of these issues or or history, uh, it then sitting is is in some ways causing more more issues over time. You know, I mean, it will actually cause dysfunction uh, mm-hmm. later in life, and so age is also significant in our evaluation of our clients. Just aging will alter the, the the resilience of the fascial continuum, and so fascia is this elastic system that should stabilize, support, and protect us on every level. And if it is not able to do its job then sensory motor control is then downgraded and now your movement behavior and sensory motor control breaks down now you have instability and that's really one of the key factors of pelvic pain is is they're unstable Right. The instability, which is why the balance is such
0: an important component. And also, I appreciate that earlier you talked about the breathing, just, you know, the breathing from an emotional but also a physical standpoint. And Mm -hmm. so let's go into that because you're already starting to kind of deep dive into that. And I think that's really important is what type of assessments can we do as trainers and why would we want to do those assessments? Really understanding the why behind, Okay, I'm going to do this assessment, but why and what am I looking for? So, maybe start with one assessment.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I think just even watching your client, inviting them to consciously take over breath and just watching them breathe, uh, watching are they a chest breather? Can their abdomen move? Um, Does their breathing rate increase? Even though you're just saying, you know, let's just breathe in for five seconds, let's breathe out for five seconds, let's pause for five seconds breathing in, breathing out, five seconds each, so that we're slowing down the natural respiration. And when we do things like that, this can completely transform neurologically how that vibration or that oscillation of the diaphragm communicates through our organs and into the pelvic diaphragm. So I always think of it like a conversation that's constantly bouncing back and forth. And it is an oscillation of vibration of frequency that the diaphragmatic the respiratory diaphragm has. And then if we have gut issues, pelvic floor problems, scar tissue, it could be anything, or again, you're just sitting for long periods of time destabilizing your pelvis from that horrible posture of sitting always, uh, the communication through this cylinder, this, this egg-shaped cylinder, is becomes faulty. The, the respiratory diaphragm and pelvic diaphragm don't really communicate well. And so you can watch a client and watch them slowly over 60 seconds suddenly increase naturally their their breath because they can't maintain that slow pacing. And this is a clear indication of high stress tone. And when our stress regulator is too high, uh, if you think of the rest and repair regulator like two sides of a seesaw, your brain just constantly always thinks that the stress is, that's your baseline. And that's not good because if our stress Regulator is constantly on, 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 on. Uh, We actually uh, cause dysfunction to our autonomic nervous system to those involuntary mechanisms that stabilize, support, and protect us. They become faulty, and we just don't know that it's happening. So just watching your client breathe and watching them be chest breathers or they can't take a slow inhale for five seconds, they can't take a slow exhale for five seconds and then just stop breathing for five seconds. If you can't do that for 60 seconds or you see the respiration increase, we know that we have a high-stress tone body that we need to work on. And that's, of course, where melt and meditation or even some yogic breathing, breathing exercises can really help pelvic floor instability.
0: Well, and this is where the world of psychotherapy and mental health aligns with the world of fitness yeah, and wellness. This exactly. is where the two worlds collide in a healthy, positive way, mm-hmm. is that breath work is something that more and more therapists are using. Um, it's used in almost every form of therapy, and it's it's a good meditative exercise. It's a good way to settle the nervous system. And I call you know people who are always in a stress state those high responders. And oftentimes, they don't even recognize the power of breath and how much that can destabilize them and the impact then that that has not just on the mind, but on the body. So I thought that that was a phenomenal explanation. And again, I'm talking to Sue Hitzman and we are talking about female pelvic health. And Sue is the expert on this topic. I was so excited to have her on. She's a neurofascial manual therapist, and she is also the creator of the MELT method. So we're talking about when females present with pelvic pain, what can we as trainers do? And so, Sue, you've already laid out some of the questions that we're going to ask them in order to build rapport, because Mm -hmm. when you ask people questions, you give them a voice, you give them a space where they get to tell you their story. Mm -hmm. And so questions are powerful, provided that we ask enough open-ended questions that invite that in. And now you're talking about what are some of the assessments and where you started was with breathing. And I think that that is, if if a trainer doesn't do anything else, watching their client breathe and understanding the connection between the mind and the body is Mm -hmm. huge. So what's another assessment that trainers can do outside of watching their clients breathe?
1: Uh, I mean, anything from like general stability testing, like doing a single leg, they call it a single leg stork test, which I always found very humorous because we're, we're not a bird, but, but a single leg stance assessment and evaluating when you stand on one leg uh, without locking out your knee and getting into a hyperextended knee pose. If you invite someone to stand on one leg, you want to notice a couple of things. One, how far do they have to list over to the side that they're standing on? If you see a lot of movement of the pelvis to the standing leg, that's, instability, right? We, we don't have the stability on that lateral line, that this fascial continuum, to keep our bodies in a relatively level state. You want to notice if they have a, what's called a Trendelenburg effect, where when they stand on one leg, the opposite, the, the hip drops, and they can't keep their pelvis level. And then the third thing to watch when somebody is standing on one leg is their ankle. And if their foot looks like it's wavering around like crazy and wiggling, 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 oftentimes that is a sign. Of hip instability and the medial and lateral regions of our pelvis, our adductors to our to our lateral hip, the internal and external hip rotators, these are small intrinsic stabilizing muscles that can become excessively faulty from, again, poor posture, stress levels, uh, structural issues. And something that you're saying here that's so critical is that when when I had mentioned fascia, fascia is a stability system of our body. So when we become unstable, whether that's structurally fascia relates to all levels of stability, emotional, Mm -hmm. psychological, chemical, neurological, all things that you think of stable. If one of those little, you know, pieces of your puzzle are off, emotional, mental, chemical, whatever it is, the other ones will also become dysfunctional. And that's also important to know, you know, when women are going through their menstrual cycles, we don't want to load a body during the Pre to uh, menstrual cycle, those those few days leading up to it, and while a woman is menstruating, because ligament laxity is present. Those are the times of of, uh, training, you know, put them on the shiny objects, put them on the leg press, put them on the knee extensions, get very myopic and very slow. But in the other weeks, this is when we do plyometrics, we're doing uh, a lunge test. Watch your client when they lunge. Do, Do they become very valgus where their knee buckles inward? We want to evaluate these things because we can see instability if you know what to look for. And for for women, it's, it's easy to see, actually. It's not that hard to evaluate. Um, but the question is, how do you then formulate a strategy uh, with your client and get them, empower them, to recognize that they need to do things at home on their own outside of that one hour a week or those two hours a week, depending upon your client, so that they realize that you're not here to fix. You're here to lead, you're here to right. move them, you're here to guide them, but but you need to nurture that. But empowering them to get on their own track, probably the most powerful thing you can do. The pelvis is the center of our gravity. It's the center of gravity. And if our pelvis is stuck in a tuck and deviated forward from the posture of sitting, your brain can't figure out where the center of gravity is. And that's gonna transition it up into your low back. That's gonna destabilize the pelvis overall and you'll have pain right well and you
0: you work you're working with liz Koch, and she does she talks about the the psoas the seat of the soul and or the seat of emotions and so Um, I really appreciate how much you're aligning mental and physical well-being and how much you're aligning aligning a woman's emotional state to her physical state and how much that ties into the pelvis. And as NASM trainers, they are taught how to do different assessments with their, you know, we guide them through, especially if they get their corrective exercise specialization, what to do if the hip drops to one side, how to look at that single leg stance and to understand it from a biomechanical standpoint and how to fix those compensations. But you're also talking about going a little bit deeper. And and for the female client, what I appreciate you mentioning is there are times when a female client can and I don't like the word should, I'm not a should girl, but probably should train differently to get the best benefit and to prevent themselves from getting injured. And you're talking about their menstrual cycle, and that's not often talked about in the fitness space on how to properly train client according to the natural rhythm
1: of her body. That's right. That's right. And, and that's, it is, you know, you can't be myopic with training. Training should be diverse. We, and we want to educate our clients on that diversity. You know, sometimes people say, well, can't I just do melt? And I'm like, can you just drink water and never eat or drink anything? No, like there's all of these beautiful fruits and vegetables, try them all. Right. So I think the same thing applies for fitness that we don't just want to lift weights. We don't just want to do cardio. We want to match a person's potential ability and meet them where they're at that's important again that rapport is so integral and then to start to strategize a plan so that they are very well rounded in their applications for themselves and also uh, uh, you know i think think out of the box from what they believe and that's the thing with pelvic pain is that it disrupts your emotional and mental well-being and a lot of the female clients will really um, kind of get stuck in their story. They, They are gonna, yeah, but you, yeah, but the doctor said, yeah, but I this, and I just say, look, do you want to get better or don't you? Do you want to improve and get out of the pain or not? Because you've got to make a line in the sand for them and get them really clear that their chatter, their their voice that they express, if they're saying, I can't, I'm hopeless, I'm helpless, then nothing will work. And so changing the narrative, changing the story, getting them to recognize that they can help themselves and that they have the power within them to do this, they just haven't had the right tools and you're gonna offer them more tools. I think is really important to speak to your clients in that way so that they get excited and and they change their behavior about their state of being and their state of mind.
0: Well, and I think that's perfect. And I think the yeah, buts come from almost um building this narrative because of all of the um the the chatter that they've heard from different doctors and um yeah but my doctor said there's nothing I can do or yeah but my doctor said it's in my head but you used a word earlier and you and I talked about in our phone conversation and that's the word empower and if you can empower a woman to trust her body to feel her body to to um again, to be empowered through her body. Mm -hmm. She can accomplish anything. Empower a woman physically, and I guarantee you emotionally and in every space and place in this world, she will rock her world because she has to be able to trust that body. For a woman, everything from from training to intimacy is so closely tied to how she feels about this body that she inhabits. So the empowerment is huge, empowering her that she does know her body. And there was something else. So Sue, again, I'm talking to Sue Hitzman and she is the good of the melt method. We're talking about pelvic pain and something else you had talked about how when you're talking to women about that narrative that they've created, I hear you say, you know, do you want to get better or not? And I I feel like as a professional who has been in this space for a very long time, I know what you mean, and I know where you're going with that. And at the same time, I would encourage trainers to be careful because when we say, you know, when we hear women's stories to say, um, I hear you, and this is what I hear you say, and I'm wondering, what if that story could be altered? What if there was another way? And so um, I recently said to a female, I said, "Um, I'm going to ask you a question. I I already can hear you tell me, no, there's nothing you can do. And so my question is, what if there was something I could do? And she had to stop and take a huge pause Mm -hmm. because it was a young girl. It was a 17-year-old girl Mm who's in a lot of pain. And she had to stop and take a huge pause. And then she had to think on it. And then she came up with something and so i think that again it was my way of empowering her and saying i'm going to invite you in but i need something more than than yeah buts or there's nothing you can do so um i really appreciate your approach to working with women um so let's say that you and i had also talked about we talked about the empowerment we also talked about how pelvic pain with women can sometimes be emotional holding, that women hold a lot of tension within their bodies and the role of emotional holding and what that might look like as far as collaborating with other professionals.
1: Well, I mean, you know, holding, I think, you know, again, the pelvis, first of all, it's your first chakra. I, and if you don't know anything about chakras, this is your seat. This is the seat of emotion. This is the base. This is, again, where, where your uh, genitalia is. There's a lot of emotional holding that comes in the pelvis. And so whether it's, uh, you know, somebody who um, has had loss or hasn't fully understood like where they're at in life maybe there's a lack of forward movement in their life so it really is important that we you know, and when I, I, you know, I mean, you heard me say that. It's like, look, do you want to get better or not? It's not like as if I would like say that to somebody. But if I had a woman who was saying to me, I'm frustrated, I'm so angry, none of the doctors have helped me, then I would speak to them in exactly that tone. I hear the frustration. I hear that it feels limited. And I wonder, do you have a belief in this? Or do you think that there's something else? And if they say, I think there's something else, I would say, I agree. I'm going to say 100% there's something else. But if a person came to me saying, I'm, I feel like I'm going to kill myself. I I don't I don't feel like I am grounded. I feel lost. I would speak to them at exactly that energy. I hear the sorrow of this. It sounds to me like you you feel absent of your being. Is that am I hearing you right? And then say yes and well I think we can I think that's the place to start is let's get you back in your body because that is really important for people to understand I know it sounds crazy but you know when we're in pain we want to tune it out right we don't want to be in our bodies and offering permission for people to go back into their bodies and really sense what they feel when they feel pain is is a risky Thing to ask them. They don't want to feel the pain, so they've been to the doctors, and the doctors are prescribing medicines, surgeries, because they don't practice prevention; they practice cure. And in the case of pelvic pain, doctors don't see a lot of curing it. They see masking it. Uh, you know, well, don't don't run anymore. Don't uh, don't don't exercise if it hurts you. You know, like oh, it hurts me when I do this. Don't do that, right? So these kind of narratives get really built into that story that we're that we're referring to and what we want to do is unlink them to the story and get them back into the present moment where everything can change because if they had an accident or it was like a car accident or something they will constantly go back into the past to try to figure out how to fix the present moment but there's nothing happening in the past and we can't change what happened so the more we Go back into the past; the more we get stuck there. So the goal here for for pelvic pain, again, it's the seat of emotion; it's the base chakra, is to get them feeling grounded, treat their feet. Uh, you know, get them to do breath work. Th- these are things that make huge strides in the reconnecting to our pelvis, where our our life force is ideally fire. It's 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 present. Um, and, and I think that that again is really important that we begin to create a new conversation with them, and whether it's affirmation or strength work or whatever, that there's just a lot of pieces to the puzzle to get them back into that pelvic basin that, you know, just may be faulty for many years. Um, but we right. we can change more if we stay present. That's the thing to try to get them to do: is really focus and listen. When you're when you're working with your client. Don't let them watch TV. Don't let them talk about the work and the husband and the this and the that. No, this is the one hour that's 100% for you. We need to focus on you. And every time their mind wanders, say, hey, take a deep breath. You're you're safe. We're here. We're safe. Mm-hmm. It's just you and me. Now let's keep going. And it it you keep clicking them in that way and you'll transform somebody's life. It, it's a skill. It's practice. But you can do it.
0: Well, absolutely, because if there was ever a time to be present, it's during breath work. It's during a time where a female is connecting to her her personal psychology, but also her female anatomy. And again, that's part of the part of the empowerment process is to be completely present. because you said something earlier that was so spot on when people present with pain, they want to do anything they can to mitigate pain. And this is where um, anytime somebody is in pain, whether it's emotional pain, physical pain, it is suppression, suppression, suppression. I don't wanna be in this space. This is an uncomfortable space. And yet when you look at somebody like John Cabot zinn who developed mindfulness and meditation. It really was kind of the guru behind all of that, or not develop it, you know, developed his program for mindfulness and meditation. He started with cancer patients who were in chronic pain. And his goal was to teach them how to be within their bodies, not outside of their bodies, in order to manage and take control of that pain. And so, So, yeah, if clients are actually, you know, if they present with suicidal thoughts, we would refer them out. But if it is something that they are just not learning to be present within their bodies, um, I really appreciate that you mentioned that, that we are not going to let them be distracted in any way. This is the one hour they're going to be fully with us in, Mm -hmm. in this moment as much as they don't want to be.
1: And breath plays a powerful role in that yeah, I mean that's it. and and again, nothing happens in any other place but the present moment. And it's the one place that a lot of your clients have actually never been invited to be. We're always thinking about the future and what's happening here, and, you know what what happens over in the past and how this person did this to me. But, it's not helping, right? So if we want to really help somebody, then we need to really be focused for them. And that means also checking ourselves at the door. You know, if you had a fight with your girlfriend or your boyfriend or whatever it is, and you come into that session with that, whether you know it or not, you are sharing energy. And we want to make sure that we're grounded, that we take a moment to pause, that we've cared for ourselves. And then that way we can Support someone else in their process on every level, speaking to them on what they're eating. Are they drinking enough water? Are they getting a good night's sleep? Because again, if you have pain, you're not sleeping. You're probably going for bad food. You're not drinking enough water and you're not moving enough because when we don't feel good, we get stuck. And and again, the pelvis is a is an axis of rotation. That sacrum. The pelvic bones rotate around the sacrum like the glo- like a globe you know what i mean they're supposed to roll across it and when we get Fixated or hypermobile. It's just the nervous system, the spine, and the sacrum are really inherently linked to the sympathetic tone. And if that is not stable, your sympathetic nervous system and your stress response goes through the roof. So mm-hmm. it's it's important that we understand that, and then again, bring them down a little bit, reconnect them, and then begin to to focused strengthening work. Uh, directed to the pelvis, directed to the pelvic floor, directed to the spine, and see if we can work them out of it all in the present moment. Mm-hmm.
0: Right. And I love how you mentioned how when clients have pain, they they want to talk about what got them to that pain. And yeah. part of that is just that they want you to understand their story, but they can't stay stuck in that story. Right. Because like you said, you just, you can't erase what happened to anyone in the past, but you can talk about what we can do in the future. So Sue, I feel like before we, we go, I would be remiss if I didn't give you the opportunity to talk about fascia, because I know you brought up fascia earlier, and I know that you wanted to kind of of take a, a moment on that, if if you will, if there's anything left that you want to say about fascia in this episode in relation to what we're talking about here.
1: Sure. Well, and I think my big come from was when I got, I again, I was at, at peak of my fitness career, 28 years old, way back in the late 90s. And I had foot pain that ended up sending me down this rabbit hole to understand what was it that caused this, what I call sudden chronic pain. I woke up with it, I didn't have an identifiable source. And the first diagnosis that I had was plantar fasciitis, which then turned into lupus and fibromyalgia. And I mean, I was down a rabbit hole with doctors but but the concept of fascia and i just kept thinking inflamed fascia could could inflamed fascia actually cause all of this body wide pain that i have and if that's the case there was no exercise for that so today myofascia is a very big buzzword in the fitness industry and everybody's a myofascial expert however fascia plays a role in all aspects of stability not just your you know giving your joint shock absorption and giving your muscles synergy fascia plays a role in cellular health, in your immune functions, uh, in your respiratory health, in your neurological health. So fascia is the stability architecture and the recent research that really just in the last decade that we're now pointing to fascia and oncology and cancer and Mm -hmm. um, all of these disorders and diseases being an inflammatory effect of the fascial system. So if you feel like you already understand fascia, I would guarantee that you don't. and i think there's a lot to still know uh, the research is 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 really evolving uh, there is a fasha congress coming up in september of 2023 i think it's our sixth or seventh International Fascia Congress. Um, But for me, I just know that fascia is a renewable resource in your body. And what MELT is, is a way to rehydrate or restore the fluid component, the fluid mobility of the fascial system to help the collagen matrix bind and maintain its elastic to stiff properties, which are super critical. Uh, and, And in the case of pelvic pain, is one of the most critical players is understanding how to address fascial dysfunction beyond the myofascial layers. And if we can get a handle on that, we can also help people with their overall health, their immune system, their neurological stability, um, their chemical stability, uh, and, and also with women, a lot of the research on estrogen. estrogen there's mm-hmm. Most of our estrogen is in the fascial system and in our fatty tissues and the superficial fascia. So if our connective tissue is not in a stable condition, we have a higher tendency to feel pain. So hormones and all of these things that relate uh, are all inherently linked to the fascial system. So I think um, if you're working with a living human body, take time to seek out teachers that are specific to, fascial research, and how to then embody that and blend that into your practice. And if you want to learn about MELT, go to meltmethod.com, and uh, you can learn exactly that. But there's other teachers who do similar effect. Well, thank you, because I was
0: actually, I'm echoing for some
1: reason. (laughs) Do you hear me echoing? Mm -mm.
0: OK, well, good, though so it must only be on my end, which is weird. We you know, we have these technical issues with podcasts sometimes, but I think that there are very few people out there who could have taken fascia in and about mm, a two and a half minute nutshell. You did an amazing job of, of talking about that. I also love the renewable resource um, because I, I feel like the whole body is a renewable resource. If we start to train it according to what it needs and we start to deliver um, what it needs, we can we can have outcomes that we all want. So if we work with the right people, so thank you Sue, for telling us how to reach you and to learn more about the method. I can't wait to take your courses this summer. And uh, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thanks to all of the trainers um, with NASM and APA for checking this, this out Um, do share and uh, we will see you next week.